1: no like it, and it's funny cuz i i basically just collect random bits and and pieces of information and and i and it's funny because a lot of it you just pick up from talking to people um i, I or you know podcast or you know and i basically anymore if there's if there's anything that i want to know about i'll just look for a podcast on it cuz you know i'm still working up at the school so i get six to eight hours a day
2: listening time oh
1: yeah just under i was like well i was listening to who was i was listening to the other day they were talking about education and how due to uh the the mobile audio devices and being able to download so much information onto smartphones that um basically on, on average the listening time for people of, of being educated where they would normally be doing repetitive tasks on average people like across the board there's about an average of i think like two and a half hours of of educational time that people are now able to get back in their life that they wouldn't that they might have been lost doing like would have been lost like driving or hmm. um and and again i'm just trying this is just something I you know, I didn't take a note of this, but if I remember right, that's basically what it is. You know, it's just like either while you're doing a repetitive task or while you're driving. And so there's what's there. They're saying it. We're kind of hopefully um, due to this. Now, of course, you know, this is coming from someone else who has a podcast. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know if I don't know if the numbers are correct. Or um, how
2: biased your source is.
1: Right. I don't. Yeah. Or or if it's possible that um, maybe it's self aggrandizement. But that, you know, they're like, well, maybe hopefully this will influence the world positively in the fact that we're going back to the menial laborer having a higher education, um, whereas opposed to, you know, because you, it used to be the, the form of entertainment before television and radio is you'd read. Right. Oftentimes. And oftentimes you'd read the same book several times um, because you didn't have so much access to libraries and things like that so i i think that's kind of cool
2: leila moore you know when he talks i think it's an education of a wandering man and he brings up the idea that uh you know a lot of the cowboys and cowhands they could only take one book with them Mm -hmm. and so they would pick a really good book and you know shakespeare or um trying to think of the others that he was talking about that And they would, they would, they would read this over and over again. And so they knew it inside a law book or something like that, that that you wouldn't expect a laborer, uh, just a a common uh, cow hand who, who wasn't considered to be that high in social status would be very well educated, but it was very specifically educated Mm -hmm. based on what books he got. But you know, I, well, you're talking. I was thinking. I've got a friend who's a truck driver, and he actually listens to podcast college lecture podcast while he drives his truck. Yep. And he's probably better educated without any kind of degrees or certificates than a lot of people who do have degrees, because it's a more well-rounded mm-hmm. education with, that he was able to access. So I, I can see that. Yeah. And,
1: well, and 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 I got into a discussion one time. With the someone online, they were talking about uh you know, education should be free. And I'm like, education's absolutely free, credentials are not. Right. But but education, if you want to learn the the information's there, and they, you know, they shot back, well, are you, you know, well, are people gonna start hiring you based on how many podcasts or YouTube videos you've listened to? And it's like, no, but if you want to be educated, that's right. that's there. And and you know for me like even just the amount of amount of money i've saved on fixing my car at times you know just oh, looking YouTube. up stuff on youtube <laughs> has just been incredible so so yeah that's that's one of the things that i really like even though I'm, I'm not necessarily having conversations with uh with customers and things like that all the time like i used to when i worked in sales um i learned a lot doing that mm-hmm. but um at the same time I feel like I'm in a really good place education wise for myself.
2: I've I've actually found that I have to consciously decide not to turn it on, not to turn the podcast on, not to listen to one more lecture and just give my brain a break because mm. it, you can easily overwhelm yourself. There is so much stuff out there. So and you and I, we, we are kind of addicted to learning new things. Oh, yeah. And so <laughs> I, I realized at one point I've, I've got a redneck hot tub, which is old coffee tub with a propane burner underneath. And a lot of times I'll sit there and soak in the evenings. And I realized this time of relaxation, I was actually listening to some more educational podcast. And I'm like, I've got to stop this. I actually have to like give myself permission and make a conscious decision to stop. Because yeah. it it's that easy to get a hold of.
1: Yeah. It's it can definitely get that way is if you get used to just having ideas being like fed in. But I mean I but I think there are worse things to be hooked on, you know.
2: Well, you know. You know. At least it's not drugs.
1: Yeah. It used to be phonics, but no. <laughs> um so anyway, so wh- when we last left our hero hero Ab- well no. We last left Abraham. <laughs> Where was he? What was he doing?
2: Okay, uh, he had just uh, struck a treaty with Abimelech, and uh, they had gone through the debacle of Abraham for the second time, passing Sarah, his wife, off as his sister. Yep. And uh, we were talking about a lot last week about Rosh Hashanah and how we're, we're, the Jewish New Year, Genesis 21, this is the chapter to, to read, uh, specifically before 800, Ah, uh, CE or AD. Uh, this was the the passage that was focused on uh, when Rosh Hashanah became a two day celebration. Then the Binding of Isaac was brought in and was read too. And in reading that uh, over the years, the Binding of Isaac has really become um, it's really become the more prominent or the the more emphasized text. But that wasn't always the case. Yeah but i just I look over and it's like you're hopping well, it's, the, it's the chairs um so <laughs> for our patreon
1: donors uh we appreciate you but we would hopefully what we can get some more so we can buy some new chairs that's probably our worst piece of equipment right now
2: Yeah, we need new chairs
1: um but anyway <laughs> yes yeah, sorry I, that's that's another topic for another day
2: yeah so uh so we open with with genesis 21 and in Genesis 21, it starts out with God remembers, um, it took note of Sarah as he promised, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. And Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the set time which God had spoken. Now, what's interesting here, again, we have something missing from this text. And it, something is not said there, but we always just assume that it happened. Sarah conceives. But there is absolutely no mention, like with Hagar when she has um, it conceives Ishmael. It says in in Abraham knew Ishmael. I, I, I am mean, sorry, it knew not Ishmael. Hagar, 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 <laughs> and she conceived. So there's there's no mention of any kind of sexual encounter between Sarah and Abraham. Okay. And, and for me, this was very interesting because. We're always taught that the idea that God could have a son is kind of like this brand new New Testament ideology, that this was something so radical in the person of Jesus that it would have taken people by surprise. Right. And it turns out the teaching is that because there's no mention uh, of any kind of sexual encounter between Abraham and Sarah, that Isaac wasn't seen necessarily as Abraham's son, But was seen as God's son, Hmm. and now I don't, I don't think that that's literal, and I and I want to be clear on that. But I do think that there, there's some symbolic significance that this would be how Isaac would be perceived, right? So, and, and but that kind of brings us to the to the thought that the idea of God fathering Jesus wouldn't have been. Unheard of.
1: Wouldn't have been terribly foreign, and that's actually it's it's really funny that, and I I think I've I've mentioned this before that Jesus, a lot of the ideas that Jesus brings forth were not revolutionary, mm-hmm. and they were actually just returning to the root of what the scriptures had already been teaching, and so that's that's what I find really interesting. You see a lot of, uh, you know, especially as you've been getting as as you look into other rabbis that were teaching around the time. Was it, um, Hillel? Hillel. Yeah. Um, you know, teaching, you know, the, basically the golden rule, you know, that which is, uh, hateful to yourself. Don't do it to anyone else. You know, you know, like I said, you know, it, it, it wasn't a new idea that, mm-hmm. you know, that Jesus brought up with the golden rule. Is he, you know, of course, we can always say, "Well, this is the first time it's stated in a positive light versus a negative light." But I do think it's still
2: the seeds are there, the, it's, foundation, yeah, is the foundation. there. the
1: foundation is there, and the idea is there, and the, and that's we forget about that. And I, I do think whenever, whenever we dismiss the Second Temple literature, when we dismiss the Jewish roots and Jewish understanding of Scripture, we lose a lot of it. And, and no and again you know we're not saying we should all convert to Judaism. I mean we haven't and we don't plan to because that's not what God's instructed us but whenever we just forget about the tools that God provided for us in the in the uh in the thinking and mm-hmm. the understanding mm-hmm. then we really we just we just lose a lot of it.
2: Well we do, we do and we we've you know, one of the main things I think we've lost is we've forgotten how to read the text. We, right. We've forgotten to look for clues. Like in, in this chapter, when the first three verses, Sarah's name is mentioned five times. Right. And so we, we read that and okay, Sarah, 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 but we don't realize this is really bringing her her front and center to the story. Because before this is God been talking to Abraham. When Abraham prays, he never mentions Sarah one time. Not not once. When God tells him that Sarah is going to give him a son, Abraham's response is, oh, but but God, you need to bless Ishmael uh, and take care of Ishmael. Mm-hmm. Uh, there There's no concern for Sarah up to this point. And now Sarah is, is, is with the pregnancy and the birth of Isaac, she kind of steps forward. Mm-hmm. And Abraham, whether he likes it or not, is having to look at her beyond just the idea of of a sister and he's really being forced to grapple with her identity as a woman apart from the way he's been viewing her mm-hmm. and this is going to change the whole dynamics of the family and you know everything in this story is a mess i i don't think you could have a more messed up family dynamic than what's going on here the slave woman is the is the wife. The sister is, you know, had a son that he doesn't really care about. It, it's just, it, it's a mess. Mm-hmm. And you know, this is I think is a good thing for us to remember. We could look at whose fault is this. I mean, Sarah invites Hagar in, or suggests it to Abraham that they bring Hagar into their marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, Abraham doesn't set his foot down. Hagar mocks Sarah. Ishmael is getting ready to mirror Hagar's um, attitude towards Sarah in his treatment of Isaac. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the story isn't really, it doesn't really care about who's at fault here. It, it doesn't take time to ask that question where I think we as humans probably would.
1: Right. Yeah. That, now that would make sense.
2: We, it, it's more of a, yeah, it's more, okay, this is the situation we got. We've got to line this out. How are we going to do it? And so, uh, Sarah, when she has Isaac, she praises God and says, he has brought me laughter. And everyone who hears will laugh with me is how it's translated in the English. The the Hebrew actually says, "Uh, for God has given, has made a joke for me Hmm. and they will laugh to me or laugh at me. And now contextually, we know that that she's saying that they're going to laugh with me. Sure. So I think the translation is correct, but it's very interesting that the literal meaning of her words actually happens pretty quickly because Abraham holds a great feast for Isaac when he's weaned. And this is when Ishmael starts taunting or teasing Isaac. And there's some debate here because the word for taunting or teasing is actually the same word as uh, we'll find later when Isaac and Rebecca, uh, Isaac takes a cue from dad and passes Rebecca off as his wife. And Isaac, um, sorry, he passes Rebecca off as his sister, and Abimelech, who had taken Rebecca, uh, sees them playing and realizes that they're married. So playing has more than just a, you know, they aren't playing dominoes, and so there, there's more of a sexual connotation. So there's some debate too whether the the playing that Ishmael was doing with Isaac was sexually inappropriate or if it was just taunting. And there's some debate there and I, I don't think we're ever gonna have that one clearly d- yeah. answered. Well
1: and and the other thing, uh, with taunting and things like that, after it was weaned, you we should also look at, you know, the age was not like a year and mm-hmm. then you're done. They would they would breastfeed babies much, much older than we do. Three
2: to five years was nothing unusual. Yeah. And and, and part of that that was birth control. Sure. So that's part of the reason why they do it. Um, so when this happens, Sarah's like, Uh uh, I this kid is not going to inherit with my son, Mm -hmm. so you need to kick out the slave woman and the son, get rid of him. I don't want him here. And then this is kind of when it gets interesting because. This tells you where Abraham's mind is, is is Abraham was greatly concerned for a son of his. It doesn't say which son. It Hmm. just says a son. And there's kind of some ambiguity. And like some of the Jewish commentators like Rashi, he actually goes out of his way to basically say that Abraham was concerned with for Isaac. But I think that's reaching because if you look at the next uh, verse, it says, but God says to Abraham, don't be distressed over the boy or your slave. Whatever Sarah tells you to do, do what she says. So, right, Abraham's not worried about Isaac. He's worried about yeah.
1: He's concerned about about Ishmael getting sent out. Yeah,
2: he yeah, because in his mind, Ishmael's still the heir. He's still the oldest. He's the firstborn. He he he's all that Abraham needs for the covenant. Sarah had a kid. That's great. That's her son. It's not Abraham's son.
1: Now, here's an interesting thought. Um, because we always hear, and I don't know if you're getting to this, but (laughs) we always hear that, you know, whenever Abraham takes Isaac up on the mountain, that in in his mind, he's getting rid of the, his, his heir. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, at this point, how's God going to make a great nation from him? Mm -hmm. Well, we, we talk about how there was a lot of concern for Isaac. And I think in that, at that point in their life that they had developed a strong relationship and that that Abraham did care for Isaac but at the same time do you is there any speculation that Abraham was thinking of some kind of reconciliation for Ishmael
2: yeah I well, even in, and it's interesting you say that because when he sends Hagar and and Ishmael out because God tells him and we talked about this in the divorce episode uh, you know Abraham he's God tells him do what Sarah tells you to do, Mm -hmm. and when he sends him out, okay, this is where we've got to look at two things. Number one, Abraham's not poor, right? We we know he's got flocks and camels and servants, Mm -hmm. and what's he send them out with? Some bread and some water, right? He didn't have to do that. That he he could
1: have sent a small
2: group with him. Yeah, and said, "Hey, make sure she makes it to the next town. Set her up in a house." And make sure the boy's taken care of. Right. Yeah. The, the, and the verb there actually, uh, when he sends them out, is to send out with the idea of retrieval. It's it actually a verb that has that connotation. Hmm. So, so there's this idea that he's almost like, you know, here's some bread and here's some water. Be gone for the afternoon. Come back. Because what happened the last time when Hagar left? An angel sends her back. And right. that's chapter 16. Sarah gets mad at her. Hagar runs off an angel sends her back. So I think even at the very beginning, at the outset of this, he was really looking at, he was going to get Ishmael back.
1: Yeah. Sarah's going to calm down. We'll bring him back later. No, Mm -hmm. no big deal.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: And there's no, there's no sense of finality with, uh, with what Hagar and Ishmael is doing, at least in, in Abraham's mind. But in some ways I think, At this point, sending Ishmael away was a lot more difficult than the idea of losing Isaac. Hmm. At least, like I said, at this point. Because at this point, Isaac is, you know, three to five years old. And Ishmael is about 13 or so.
1: And so if Ishmael's 13, then he's past the point of the high mortality rate because... Was around, you know. It wasn't until about six years old that you really considered your child was, "Hey, they're going to make it."
2: Yeah, And what was it? In some cultures, they didn't even consider children to be people because the mortality rate was so high mm-hmm. that until they made it past a certain age, forget it. It, it just wasn't going to happen. Um, and so,
1: you know, even with the even with the lower mortality rate among children, you know, there are times when I I understand why you wouldn't want to consider someone a full human until they were, you know. 6 or 7 but you know and that depends on the day of course but you know <laughs> there's, somebody, there's was, some
2: people at 30 I don't consider fully human but that's what
1: <laughs> I was talking I was talking to one of uh I was talking to one of the teachers up at school and uh I think I've mentioned her before but she's from she's from England and I was talking about how the the kindergarteners are you know just insane she's like and she goes yes almost feral (laughs) yeah that's a good way to put it put it on some days but they i mean they they just you know they haven't quite grasped all the social rules that you know of course i could say that about some older kids i know too so
2: there there are some times i wonder if i grasp all the social rules but um yeah and what's what's funny about this story is in, in trying to keep Ishmael, Abraham almost kills him. Right. He he like the, the exact opposite of what he's trying to accomplish, is pretty much what almost happens here. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I want to pull out a few things in, in that go on. Uh, Hagar, because you actually sent me down a whole path with a question you ask. Oh um, yeah. And so, um. <laughs> uh, because you brought up the idea that, uh, well, why don't you, you say it? and Okay, so, yeah, it was and was this in our divorce episode? Did I ask it in the divorce episode no, or was it just another this is one? a phone conversation. Okay, I couldn't
1: remember. It's been a while since we did that mm-hmm. episode. But the, um, so when we, when we read the the parallel between Isaac and Hagar, um, whenever uh, they're in the desert and Hagar thinks that, that Ishmael's going to die of thirst, she she tells god do what you will just don't make me watch my son die and then you you can you contrast that with abraham and god saying uh you're going to take isaac up on the hill and you're going to kill him i mean that that's, that's see it. quite a juxtaposition mm-hmm. of the two narratives from uh, uh you know from the parents that care for their children and and what's happening there and so i was wondering just uh, just if there's anything to that. And I probably should have done a little more research on my own, um, but I've been editing like mad since the last. Uh,
2: yeah. Since Well, I, I actually took that question and, and I, I kind of ran with it because the, there is some interesting things. And, and she does. She sits down, the text is very clear that um, she sits down opposite from him, away from him, about a bow shot away. And so that's about three hundred feet or so. It is what it winds up being. And then, then when you move on further in the text, let's see. That is verse. To um, do, I lost it. Play Babo shot. That's verse sixteen. So that's verse verse sixteen. If you come over to verse twenty, the very last phrase in verse twenty. Have you got it there? And it talks about what Ishmael became.
1: Oh, that's kind of interesting. You just go ahead and read it,
2: yeah. He, um, God was with the boy, and he grew up and dwelt in the wilderness and became a bowman or an archer is what it, right? and And so bowshot, bowman. so this, there's a tip off here that, that this is this particular passage is set up in. Uh, a chiastic form that this is a a beginning to, to see that there might be something in how this is written and in the structure of how it's written that can actually reveal more about what the message is. Mm -hmm. And so this is just, to me, this was just fascinating. I'd heard about chiastic forms before. Um, I hadn't really studied them.
1: And those, and that's the form, it's where there's kind of a a build on one side, if you'd imagine like like a suspension bridge with one peak, yeah. you know, you have, you kind of have a build up to the pinnacle and then you go back down, but they mirror each other, right. if that makes sense.
2: Yeah, the first and the last points of a story connect, and then the next, the second and the next, the last, and then the third and the, you know, mm-hmm. and you just keep going up until you get to the center. And when you get to the center, that is the, the most important idea that's being explored. That's, um, that's going to be the highlighted passage. That's either going to be the passage that is, uh, has the most to teach us, or it's going to be the passage where things turn around. It's right. the center axis it, is what it's called. And um, this is a lot of times that center axis is where we see the reversals start to come in. And when I started looking into this and actually just started looking up, uh, just giggling chiastic structures and the Bible,
0: mm-hmm.
2: it's everywhere. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's it's everywhere. I knew it. There were certain places. Um, I thought to kind of illustrate this, we would use like Noah, uh, cause this is a story everybody knows. Sure. And, um, so I'd look, at, I thought we'd look at Noah real quick and then, um, go into how this is used with Hagar and Ishmael. But, uh, you got to look for your clues to see where they are, and and the good news is there are people who've already done this, so you can right. actually find this on the internet if you want to. But like Noah, um, six ten Genesis six ten, it has the phrase Noah and his sons. Genesis nine eighteen verse eighteen and nineteen a Noah and his sons. Uh, all the life on earth is mentioned in six thirteen in verses nine and ten, uh, chapter nine verse ten. All the life on earth, and it's repeated. Um, now in, in the chiastic forms, sometimes it isn't always a perfect mirror image. It's not like exact. Sometimes it's, um, that reversal. Yeah. So in Genesis six thirteen b God curses the earth,
1: mm-hmm. but
2: in nine twelve and 17, he blesses the earth. Okay. So that's how that kind of works. And then you get the flood, you know, the flood announced is going to be in the future. And then you get the flood. There's promise there's no flood in the future. And the center of all of this, uh, you know, the water rises and the water recedes, but right in the middle, God remembers Noah. Sure. So that's where the reversal comes in. That's when everything goes from, you know, we went from order to chaos, and then we're going back to chaos to order. So you can see that nice parallel structure where things are inverted. Yeah. And uh, there's even inside of that, there's a, a mini chiastic uh, form, which I thought was interesting because. Um, the verses mirror each other with seven days. Uh, there's two sets of seven days. Mm-hmm. And then there's a set of 40 days. Yeah. And then there's a set of um, 150 days uh, on verses. And right in the middle, again, God remembers Noah. Right. So sometimes it can be very pointed and very easy to see. And, um, that's, and that's the reason why I wanted to talk about it with the flood was just, it's like, you can see it with that. I, I think most people can even don't ha- have to have the, passage in front of them, they can kind of envision that. Sure. So, um, the bow shot becomes or the, uh, the bow shot and the archer become the, the kicking kickoff points for finding the chiastic form and that center axis for uh, Hagar and Ishmael. Okay. So, uh, Genesis 21, 16, she says, let me not look at the death of the child. And in Genesis 21, 19, if you look at the verse there, God tells her, uh, the Lord opens her eyes and she sees the well. So you see how that theme of sight is mirrored in both those verses. Mm -hmm. Uh, Genesis 21, 16, see, and she lifted up her voice and, and wept. And in Genesis 21, 18, God says, lift up the boy. In Genesis 21, 17, God uh, heard the voice of the boy. And in Genesis 21, yeah, 21, 17, C, I say 17A, God hears the voice the, uh, voice of the boy. In 17C, he says, fear not for God has heard the voice of the boy. And so we're narrowing down and right at the center of that chiastic structure is, and the angel of the Lord called out to Hagar. And that's where things changed, uh, for for both of them. And so, this this becomes it becomes the turning point both of the story itself, but it also is going to influence how we read the Akeda. Uh, and before we move to the Akeda, which I think is very um...
1: and Akeda for those who didn't hear that term this episode, it's uh, the Binding of Isaac. Mm -hmm. And uh, what we call, what we often call the sacrifice of Isaac in America, Mm -hmm. um, but binding is more appropriate because we, he wasn't actually
2: sacrificed. Right. But before we get there, one of the things I wanted to point out, you know, it's very interesting that Ishmael becomes a bowman when his, his mother was separated by
1: a bow shot. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: And so there's two things going on here. And they can be happening simultaneously. It's a both and, not an either or. Okay. And this is very common with people who have an, kind of estranged or to, um, a relationship with their parent that's kind of marked by doubt and animosity. There's this de- a desire to both bridge that gap, mm-hmm. and then there's this desire to hurt and to injure. And so it, it's that I love my parent who's not here. How do I get closer to them? They hurt me and I need to hurt them back. So it's, there's kind of that, that kind of tension.
1: Kind of representation of the, of the bow shot being that, 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 that was the, that was the pain that she had abandoned him. But then that same language is used to talk about what he goes, grows to embrace. Is that kind of what you're talking Mm -hmm.
2: about? Yeah. he, He, he kind of, he, he, he begins to get the tools to to both to address that pain and that, that pain begins to to kind of form who he is. And if you but if you look at the what the angel tells Hagar, um, he tells her, he says, um, sorry, this is kinda um come lift the boy up, hold him by the hand, and I will make a great nation of him. You know, basically you need to be active. You need to be guiding this child. You need to be participating in this child's life because he's going to be a great nation. He needs good parenting if he's going to father these, a nation. And when Abraham, right after this, he's going to, he's going to make a, um, a treaty with Abimelech.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And part of the treaty is that Abraham and his sons would treat Abimelech well. Right and and why does he need to be treated well? Why does he worry about Abraham and his sons? I mean, Isaac is just a little guy, and but Ishmael, he's a warrior. He a bow was like the most advanced technology and weaponry of this day, right? So Abimelech's like seeing Ishmael as somebody to be feared. Okay. So th- I, I, and that kind of doesn't have a whole lot to do with what's going on, but it kind of gives you a little insight into, uh, into who Ishmael was. And so anyway, yeah, cause he says, as a matter of fact, that's right after, I mean, like immediately, uh, Ishmael becomes a bowman in verse 20, verse 22 at that time, Abimelech and Pichol, the chief of his troops said to Abraham, God is with you in everything you do. Therefore, swear by me, swear to me here by God that you will do not deal falsely with me, and with my kith and kin, but deal with me in the land with all, all, <laughs> the land in which you have sojourned, as loyally. Sorry, got a post-it note my way. Drop in my notes as loyally as I have dealt with you. And Abraham says, "I swear it." So um, there. Ishmael obviously has presented enough of a threat to Abraham. uh, I'm sorry, to Abimelech. At least the perception of a threat Mm -hmm. that something has to be done. So that's that's where the um, the expulsion of of Ishmael begins, right? And and that's kind of the big thing. So as we move into the Akeda, we want to keep that in mind. Keep it. Keep those points in mind. Uh, how that 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 structure was lined out. That it was. Um, the bow. The not looking. That she lifted her voice, and that God heard the voice of the boy. And that. Um, the central point is when the angel of the Lord calls out. Okay, that's going to be be the central point.
0: Sorry.
2: Yeah, central points. Okay. That was repetitive and redundant. What do you got there? These are my notes. Oh,
1: they fell down. Okay. So, <laughs> for those of you not watching.
2: Yeah, I I drop things. Hey, guy any Raven? Yeah, that's uh. kind
1: of funny. I'm like, taking notes like my daughter does. <laughs> like, true a picture. These are my notes. <laughs> so, well,
2: a lot of times my notes and my pictures are the same thing. So, you <laughs> kind of have to sift through to find both of them.
1: That's funny. So, so then uh so then, after that, we move on to the the sacrifice of Isaac. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you not familiar with the story, that's where uh Abraham has uh cast out Ishmael. he's not coming back, um not this time. Then God tells Abraham, you know it's time for you to take your son, uh bind him on an altar, and sacrifice him. Mm-hmm. I mean which is weird. So <laughs> I me mean, I and and now this is I don't know if you're going to get to this point but this is actually one of the stories, you know, of course we all know the sacrifice uh as Abraham's getting ready to to sacrifice Isaac, the angel stops him and says, "Nope, uh we're going to we're going to use this goat instead." Um and so this is actually one of one of the criticisms of of that we get as Christians is Again, you know, we we get we get told, oh well, your your fa- your religion's based on the beliefs of a crazy old man who tried to kill his own son. <laughs> yeah. Um, and this is actually one of the one of the messages, that, like the rabbinic teachers get out of it, is that this isn't uh, this isn't a pro child sacrifice message. This is actually uh, Yahweh stepping in and saying, no, we don't actually kill our kids here Um, Mm and that's not what we're doing because there are plenty of cultures who did practice child sacrifice Mm -hmm. but this is one of those areas where god steps into history and says no we're doing it a different way yeah and that's pretty cool so that's that's one of my favorite parts of this but i'm sure you have a lot more to (laughs) to add to it
2: Uh, well and believe it or not that is only uh that particular message is only a small part of what the sages and the rabbis got out of this mm-hmm. uh i i think where we are in a culture where sometimes we're having to push back and go that's not what the bible means we kind of grab hold of, hold of those points like that that seem to to mean a lot um but the the jewish commentators had a hard time with this passage too because it it's disturbing it, yeah. it runs counter to everything and matter of fact, Rashi builds on a, a commentary, uh, Barashit Raba, um, Genesis Raba. It's a it's a commentary on Genesis. Okay. And so basically, they go back in and they they write in the missing parts of the Bible, and so they fill in with speculation. Okay. And
1: so it's one of the Rashim.
2: Yes, and it, it's it, it, but it's very good because it gives you some idea of what they're willing to do to kind of work through these quote unquote contradictions or flaws in God's character. And um and so one of the, the theories put forward, and I found this to be very interesting, is this idea that basically Satan goes to God and says, hey, Abraham like gives his sons all this food whenever they they get together and he's always feeding them well. But I don't see him giving any food to you. There's no sacrifice or offering to you, God. So he must not love you that much. And God says if I ask him for the child, he'll give me the child, right. So you know, obviously, this is based on Job one and two,
1: yeah, no, that, and that's interesting. That's something I hadn't actually considered before uh, we talking about he he gives all this to his sons, but none to you because we we think about it, we don't have much in the way of Abraham's religious practice. Mm-hmm. We have a lot about his relationship to God and the conversations that he has with God. but as far as religious practice, there's almost nothing uh, mentioned.
2: We've got him building some altars, mm-hmm. and it's very interesting that when he builds an altar, a lot of times there's no mention of a sacrifice. He right. just builds an altar. Just builds an altar, yeah. And, and but yeah, you're right. Beyond that, I, but you know, Judaism is not formalized at this point. So well, yeah,
1: well, I, I, yeah, I realize that, but I just it mm-hmm. just strikes me as interesting that there's not much about the spe- the specific. Uh, acts that he does when, like I said, when he builds the altars or there's nothing about his daily practice. There's no, there's no, <laughs> he had his quiet time, you know, there's none of that, you know?
2: Yeah. And, and actually like uh, one of the most significant acts of worship that Abraham practices is his hospitality. Sure. And, and so that, that's about it whenever it comes down to how, how does he worship? And, and to kind of give you an idea of where, how far we aren't going with this, uh, I could have easily built, like, we could have been talking about this for the next seven weeks. Right. But Genesis 21 is actually parallel to Genesis 12. And this is important because Genesis 12 is the first time God speaks to Abraham. Mm-hmm. If you read the story closely, you know that Genesis 21 is the last time God speaks to Abraham.
1: Right. Because immediately after that's pretty much his funeral.
2: Pretty much. Well, well he, I mean, about, there's... There's That's the 35. funeral of
1: Sarah, yeah, and then and then there's, yeah, then not not long after that in the text is you know his death and then Isaac carrying on, yeah, but um, yeah, and then you have twelve and twenty one, you know, you got your reverse, <laughs> reverse sorry, yeah. I'm I'm kidding, <laughs> um, but but no, uh, yeah, then there is a lot of information uh, she's talked to me about quite a bit of it, so we if you can survive the chiastic stuff, uh, we'll. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was just kind of funny because I was listening to uh, I was listening to Naked Bible and David Burnett was talking about a ver- uh, chapter he was taking apart, and he's like, it's like, I didn't want to do the chiastic thing because everyone's onto that these <laughs> days, and it and it's so often it's so dry. Um, so you know, we realize it's it's a little technical on what we're doing this week, but there's a reason for it.
2: Yeah, and I think when you see why that this, I think that's what's going to make it very interesting once you see how it does fit together. So in Genesis 12 and, uh, and 22, I actually, this is really, this is good. Uh, God tells Abraham where to go in this chapter. God shows him where to go. Um, he's supposed to leave and take in both chapters. He's supposed to leave his, his past behind uh, in Genesis 12 and Genesis 22. He's supposed to take Isaac, his quote unquote future. future yeah. And so um, both are a search for, for sacred space. And this is going to become very important because God is going to show him the hamakom, uh, the place, and that's literally what that means. Uh, and whenever you see the place in the scripture, there's there's an element of um mystery and mm-hmm. sacredness about it. And so, uh,
1: it, it's funny some of the names, like the name is the place.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the the mm-hmm. place.
1: God's name, I am.
2: <laughs> yeah. <it's, laughs> This is, this is it, you know, uh, well, Noah names Shem, Shem, Shem. which is name. I was like, okay, you need a name, name. Yeah. Uh, it's
1: but, uh, it's yeah. not
2: even like dog. I mean, it's not like calling your dog, dog. This is worse.
1: There was a, there was a lady I went to church with for a while that, uh, her youngest son was named Quint, um, because they couldn't think of any names and he was number five.
2: Okay. <laughs> there you go. Means means five. five. Yeah. <laughs> so. Okay. So, yeah, and then the, the the final piece in this is in Genesis 12, God commands and um, God blesses and then gives Abraham a, a command. It's like, here's the carrot. Now will you do it? Right. And 22, God doesn't give any information. It's the command. Abraham does it and then he's blessed. Hmm. And so um, I'm sure you could probably do some chiastic work and see, put that into a structure there too. Sure. Um I'm not going to do it Uh, because Brunette's right. It's boring (laughs) Um, until you see it. So when the story opens up, God has told Abraham, Hey, you know, get up, take your son, Isaac. Um, But when he's the first thing he says is God says, Abraham, Abraham says Hanani or here I am, which Hanani is not just here I am or I am here. It's, I am fully present, and I am committed to do what you tell me. I mean, hmm. it, it is this idea: I have agreed to whatever you're going to propose before you say it. So, Hua <laughs> heard,
1: understood, and acknowledged. Yeah, yeah. E- exactly. Like-
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, and e- even if I haven't heard you yet, I'm going to. I'm still going to act. Yeah. So uh, he he opens this up with Hanani, and it's very interesting because you yeah, remember this is the guy who uh, he fights for Sodom. Or he at least pleads Sodom's case, negotiates for him, and he, he negotiates for them poorly, too. He didn't get the city, he didn't get the city. Sorry, but he did fight for them with the battle of the four kings. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with Ishmael, when uh, God sent him away, he was at least grieved over it. Mm-hmm. Um, he he tries to manipulate and actually play God and almost winds up killing Ishmael. Um, he he doesn't do any of that for Isaac. That is interesting. Yeah. He, he, the, there's no resistance. That's, that's
1: at least, yeah. I mean, surely there had to be some kind of reluctance, but yeah, like you said, it, yeah, it's not in the text.
2: It, it, it's not. And, and what's interesting, the other thing that goes on in God tells Abraham, take the son and, and there's a, there's a, uh, a Midrash and Abraham says, you know, which son? I've got two sons. And God says, take the one that you love. And he goes, well, well, I love them both. And he goes, take Isaac. <laughs> and so it, it's, it, there's this, you know, they, they picked up on this, that, that he wasn't quite getting it. But this is the first time we have. It's like having
1: a conversation with the child. <laughs> I'm sorry. That, that's, just go ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to articulate any more of that today.
2: <laughs> well, he, he, he is the child. But this is interesting in that it's the first time we have the word love used in all of the Bible. It, it's never mentioned before this. Hmm. And you would think with all of the marriages, all of the seductions, all of the that love would have come up at some point. Right. So it, it doesn't. That,
1: <laughs> and, yeah, and it, that's really weird, especially when you consider what a central theme that is that love becomes throughout the whole Bible. And and then, and then in turn, the you know, Western literature, you know?
2: Yeah. Uh, Well, you know, we, we, I realize
1: this is Eastern literature, but you know what I'm saying? A lot of Western literature is influenced by the Bible.
2: Well, for us, I mean, love has become like the, the end all be all of our society. We don't define what love is, but we, we act like it is, The most important thing, as long as it is defined according to our our gut kind of feeling. Yeah, that's a whole. Yeah, we we
1: spiral out of control on on what what is love.
0: Baby, don't. Nope. Stop it.
1: Don't do that to me. Come into my house. Eat your
2: food.
0: <laughs> okay. So Abraham takes
2: Isaac and they go on their, they they go 3 days which okay, 3 3 days, that's important. 3
1: days on foot.
2: On foot. And they go to Moriah. And uh he tells the servants when they get to the to the mountain he's like, "Yeah, guys, wait here with the donkey," which is kind of an interesting little point because there's not a lot of times that the livestock is mentioned you know, right. when they're traveling. Uh, you just kind of take it for granted. And um, he takes Isaac up the up the hill, and as they're, they're going up the hill, Isaac is carrying the firewood. Well, when you carry firewood, you find it. Right. So we have bound wood on boy, mm-hmm. and at the end of the story, we're going to have a bound boy on wood. Right. So again, we're seeing that tip-off that there's going to be... Uh, this chiastic structure sure. going on again. And as they're going up the hill, Isaac for the first time calls Abraham father.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And Abraham says to him, um, yes, my son, he says, Hineni, actually in the Hebrew, Hineni, my son. And mm-hmm. so here I am, I, I I'm, I'm with you. I'm present in this moment. I, and I'm going to do what needs to be done. This is the first time that he's acknowledged Isaac as his son. Right. It it has never happened before, and um, Isaac says, "You know, I see the wood, I see the fire. Where's the? (laughs) (laughs) No, no, hang on a minute. Something's wrong. We're missing something. (laughs) uh, Items on the list. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and and the and the question
1: (laughs) starts looking around." (laughs) <laughs> Sorry.
2: <laughs> Dad. Uh, so, yeah, he, but the question is in ancient Hebrew or in the Hebrew, there, there's, there's no punctuation. Mm-hmm. So when Abraham answers him, he says, here's the, um, he says, uh, God will see to the sheep for his burnt offering, comma, my son, or is it God will see the sheep for his burnt offering, my son.
1: Well, that that's definitely
2: <laughs> you know where the inflection is,
1: right? Right, you uh, know, and that that's an important that would be a very important comma.
2: It, like, it, yeah, <laughs> his whole life literally hangs on that comma. <laughs> Let's eat,
1: Grandma. <laughs> Let's eat, Grandma. Yeah, um, two different sentences.
2: Yeah, and so so there's there's some debate there. How was that said? Because the text doesn't preserve it, the, there's no punctuation in the mm-hmm. Hebrew, so we don't know now we could look at something called canticles, which is uh, tells us how a text would be sung. sure, because you don't just if you're reading in Hebrew, you don't just read it, you actually you do this cant uh, you know, this cantor you you, you, you sing you it. sing it because
1: sing. music is a great tool for education, and that's how people could memorize the mm-hmm. Bible um, that's and we'll we'll talk more about that eventually about music and education. I I I'm working on some shows for that. So yeah. we'll do that at some point.
2: Uh, and so they you know they get up the, they get up the hill um they Abraham lays the wood on the altar. He sets Isaac, he binds Isaac um and puts him on the altar. He sends out his hand which is the same word uh, for sent when he sent Ishmael out, it's this is the same word there. Mm-hmm. Um, sends out his hand and the angel of the Lord stops him. Now, there's some things that we need to ask here. Um, how old was Isaac? Right, because I you know we're usually shown in church or what have you. Isaac's what seven, eight, maybe nine. Yeah, and Abraham's at this point he's well over a hundred years old, mm-hmm. and um. There is some teaching that he could have been as old as 37. There's some that he could have been even 33, which has some interesting implications right there. Fair, yeah. Uh, if he was anything above, what, 10, 11, uh, with a father that's over, well over 100 years old.
1: Yeah, especially in the society where they're at, where you have to work really hard, and so you're you know, actually strong and capable. Yeah.
2: Yeah. If he wasn't just a child, he had to get on that, allow himself to be bound and get on that altar Mm -hmm. himself. And so there's some debate. How old was he? And I, there's no, I've read arguments both ways. I don't think there's any clear cut. uh, This is the answer, Mm -hmm. but it does make you ask some questions. And so, um, the angel of the Lord comes, says, don't touch the child. And Abraham, quote, sees the ram behind him. And I I say, quote, sees, because you can't see what's behind you. Right. So that's another question that has to be explored. How does Abraham see what is behind him?
1: Well, now is this, uh, okay, so we could take it, is it, Maybe he just became aware of it. Did it make a noise? But why didn't they say here? But is this is this also sees the ram? of seeing what God has provided up until this point? Is that the point they're trying to make? Um, it, is the ram symbolizing how far they've come? Uh, the, these are questions I'm I'm actually asking, but because uh, I don't know, these aren't recorded. I have no idea. Like,
2: well, I, I this is where it comes in. That, well, we're we're actually we'll, we'll get back to that. We will answer a lot of that um, okay. pretty whenever we get back uh, to uh, how the the Hagar and Ishmael story play off of this and why the the two have to be read together. Okay, and because um, it becomes, it, it does become very apparent. Okay, and um, so this this story it has a lot of little interesting details that once you start to pull them out. You begin to to see that there's more than just the possible killing of a child here, right? And um, so, one of the other things too that, that's happening you here is, you know, Abraham calls Isaac his son. Mm-hmm. This is the first time he's called him his son. As a matter of fact, this is the first time Abraham has spoken to Isaac uh, up until this in po- the text. In the text, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure he yelled at him a few times because that's what you do. You kids, if you're a parent, no. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like you do, like you do, yeah.
1: Um, what's uh? So, but hold on, before we move on, you asked a question. Uh, Are you
2: getting to that answer, or uh, we're 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 going to get there?
1: Okay, we're going to get there. It's a teaser. I want to make sure. Well, are we getting there today?
2: I don't think we're going to get there today.
1: About seeing behind.
2: About seeing behind. Okay, so something to think about. All right, (laughs) Uh, drive you crazy. Yep. But uh, yeah, so so
1: let's go. Uh, let's go on with what you're saying. I just I wanted to make sure we didn't miss that point because I <laughs> asked a whole bunch of questions while you were in the middle of it, so I didn't want to like. Well, I didn't want to lose it uh, if, you, if I was interrupting.
2: All of that's going to to be brought out, and this is the reason why. You know, there are all these questions that if you really read the text, um, closely, and, and use your imagine, use your imagination to actually picture walking through the text Mm -hmm. that you realize how many gaps there are in the description or things that are just not said. And then when we go back and we, we put it in this chiastic, I always want to like swap the A and the I, the chiastic um, structure, then, then the important part comes out. But then also whenever you play it off of the Hagar and Ishmael story, you see how, what, is highlighted in Hagar and Ishmael actually leaps out of the page with the binding of Isaac. Hmm. And it answers these questions that, that otherwise the text seems to neglect. Right, And so I, 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 I think to go into that, uh, we wind up way over time, keep everybody here, you know, for two hours. Don't want to do that. Uh, so I just want to point out real quick, uh, a couple of interesting things. Number one, This place where this happened is disputed. Okay. And there's two possible locations for where this could have went down. Uh, One is the wheat field that, uh, sorry, not wheat field, the threshing ground that David bought for the temple. Okay. So we, we temple mound and we would know where that is today. That's, we got that location. This, which,
1: which the the symbolism and tradition of that would be pretty obvious,
2: right? Because this is where the sacrifices mm-hmm. take place. This is uh, where you engage, and the temple mound is Hamakon. Again, okay. the same word being used. Um, and, and for millennia, this was accepted. This was part of Jewish tradition. This is what they believed, and this was just how it was. Okay. Um, Christians came along, and they said, mm, "We think he might have it wrong. We think he actually went." Past Jerusalem, he went a little further north, and there's another hill up there that's a little taller, and it's called Golgotha. Okay. And so from that point on, the early Christian church said this is where Abraham offered Isaac. And the Jews are uh, saying that it's definitely at the temple. So this is, this is a very disputed thing.
1: But there's not any significant uh, geographical markers in the text, though, is there?
2: We know it's Mariah, which Mariah is actually, is not just a simple mountain. It is a mountain chain. Okay. So um, we know it was one of the, the tall hills. Well, there's more than one. Right. Uh, the, the big question is, how do you define Hamakom? Is Hamakom really one specific place where God actually manifests himself mm-hmm. or is it any place that God manifests himself? So this becomes a major point of, of theology about God's sovereignty and uh, ge- geography and dominion mm. and all of these questions become wrapped up. In this one little story with Isaac, and you know, to to be able to 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 look at that deeper, we're going to have to we'll have to return to this again next week and look at um we'll look at two things we'll look at the chiastic structure and we'll look at Hagar and Ishmael um how these two play together and if we got time we'll look about how this plays as a type sure so um lots of good information and like I said. I, I, when I opened this up with Genesis 12, going back to that chapter, mm-hmm. that was just to give you an idea of all the stuff I'm not telling you. Because right. you can actually, just a quick teaser, you can tie this back to Noah and the vineyard. Yeah.
1: So uh, we'll, we'll, <laughs> and, we'll look into that. In no, we those, aren't. Well, I'm saying, I'm saying <laughs> we, you and I may, but if, if, um, uh, If y'all want to know about it, we'll put links to some stuff in the show notes if we can find anything, Um, because I know a lot of your stuff is coming out of commentaries. I don't know how much of it's coming from online sources. A lot
2: of commentaries, and in some of it, it gets so technical. Like, I would never take a podcast audience through Knowing the Vineyard and This Connection. I'm telling you it's there, but I'm not going to take an audience there because it's so technically Hebrew. Sure. And so... You know, there's some things I'm sorry, guys, the Hebrew just unlocks it for you, and I can't get you there unless you've got it. But that's just to give you an idea of how rich and full this text is. and it's not just this t- this text, yeah, it it's the whole entire Bible, so
1: okay, well, cool. Well, that sounds like we need to wrap up there this week, and then we will uh, pick up next week uh, again with the binding of Isaac, again with the binding of Isaac um so. <laughs> Sorry. so we'll, we'll hit that next week i don't know just the way i said it all right we're with it um like having a seinfeld moment over uh, here yeah. i don't know <laughs> so we'll hit that up next week thank you so much for tuning in and listening to our insanity um we hope you're enjoying it if you do please uh subscribe uh share comment uh let us know you're out there be part of the conversation Raven Creek, sc yeah, on all the social media, ravencreeksc.com for the website. Uh, Patreon, Raven Creek SC. Um, if you really, really like it, you know, maybe give us, uh, give us some support and let us know you want the show to keep going. And because uh, the more support we get there, the longer this show is going to go. So thank you again for tuning in. We're, I, I'm excited about next week. Seems like we're really were i mean because this was pretty interesting even like just set, kind of teaser. setting, yeah just kind of setting the stage and and, and it was still pretty interesting it's kind of like if you ever read lawhead uh you know he's he wrote he wrote a king arthur series and arthur does if isn't even born until like the very end of the second of the five books yeah so anyway <laughs> but but that's kind of where i feel like we are tonight or today <laughs> i don't know what day whenever you're listening so anyway We'll see you next week. We're glad you're here. Thanks again. Y'all have a great week. Bye.
2: Bye.
0: You've been listening to the Faith and Other Oddities podcast, a Raven Creek Social Club production. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you like what you've heard, please write us a review on iTunes or consider supporting us on patreon.com slash Raven Creek SC. As always, thank you for listening and don't forget to join us next week.